Hello, everyone, and inside today's episode of Lockdown Canadians, we are joined by once again Tony Ferrari, another draft prospect guru. We're going to talk Joshua Waugh, we're going to talk Connor Geeky, we're going to talk Logan Cooley, we're going to talk Yurov Slavkovsky, and so much more all inside today's show. For Lockdown Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 626 of Locked on Canadians. As always, thank you for making us your first listen or your first view of the day. If you're watching on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, remember you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. And today we have a very special guest. But before we get to them, I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, it's time to ask actual experts, the <laughs> actual expert opinions on actual prospect things so I cannot pretend to know things <laughs> that they actually know because they've done the work and I'm not just parroting what they're saying. How are we feeling going into today's show? Let me tell you what I really appreciate about today's guest is that a lot of stuff to do with, with scouting, prospects, analytically viewing things is sometimes a little bit complicated, but I find that our guest makes it really accessible. We've had such a great response from our listeners and viewers about all the experts we're having on. And so that's why I'm really, really excited for today's guest because it's just another one of the great people we really appreciate. And today's guest, obviously we've had him on before. He is phenomenal. He is the one, the only Tony Ferrari at the Tony Ferrari on Twitter. Tony, uh, before we get into so much else, do you want to find pe- or tell people where they can find your work out on the internet so they can read more of your scouting work and everything else heading into draft season? Well, all my work's on uh, thehockeynews.com, videos there, uh, interviewing prospects like Connor Geeky, who we're going to talk about today. So it's all up there. Go there and you'll have tons of fun, hopefully, or not. It's up to you, I guess. So we the last time we had you on, the Montreal Canadiens had not quite... actually officially locked up the first overall pick. And since then, they have now gone and landed the first overall pick. And we're going to talk a little bit about the nonsense surrounding that first. But one of our YouTube comments had a a question here for the next time you have any scout guest. So congratulations, Tony. You are now scout guest aficionado. Can't wait wait to Uh, get that scouting gig. (laughs) <laughs> where do you think Joshua Waugh would go in a redraft considering his age is a big question because we've watched him light up the QMJHL this season. And I have my slight reservations based on it being the QMJHL and whatnot. I do think he is talents and I think he has the skills to be a special prospect, but there's a lot of work to be done there. But I'm going to ask someone who has obviously probably watched a lot more of that area of hockey what is your thought on where he would go in a redraft of his draft class or even this year uh, based on what he's done so far for Sherbrooke? Well, first I'll say congratulations on getting Shane right because that's going to be sweet. Um, and now, <laughs> now to piss off Habs fans, um, I think Joshua Wall probably goes right around where he went, maybe a little higher, another around higher or something like that. But he's a guy that I look at and he's putting up tons of points and I look at him and I'm like, he's a really fun junior player. But he has a lot of these junior tendencies, these goofy little things where he shoots from the outside quite a bit. 
he kind of throws a pass into a, an area and in hopes and prays it, go, it gets converted on and stuff like that. And I think I look at him and, and you look at some of the guys that kind of track like him, play like him in the last few years, and they kind of track towards AHL All-Stars or kind of third-line guys. And I think that's kind of where Joshua's kind of trajectory is going towards. He's got decent size. His skating is pretty good at times, but sometimes it's it's not necessarily about the skating or the the raw skills. It's about does he know where to be at the right time? Does he know where to go at the right time? Is he sending passes to the right areas or is he just throwing it to an area hoping and praying that someone's there? And, and I find that's what he does a lot. There's a lot of misconnected passes and stuff, but he's been putting up a ton of points in QMJHL, which I have to admit is my least favorite league to watch in, in almost all of junior hockey. It's basically the Russian league on steroids. Um <laughs> And it's this league that there's no defense in. Like uh, you've we've seen it for the last few years, where the QMJHL is like, man, this is really good beer league hockey. I really enjoy watching this. It's uh, defensemen kind of being turnstiled on a daily basis, and every junior league has that. But the QMJHL defensemen are a little bit more of going, well, yes, you can pass by. It's perfectly fine <laughs> by me. Um, so I do have my reservations about Joshua Wad. Is he going to be an AHL All Star? Possibly. Could he be a pretty solid middle six guy? If some things work out and he can get put on a line where he's not asked to be the first or even the second best player on that line, I think he can be a pretty successful player. I look at him and I go, there's a package here to be a high-level passenger. There's not really a line driver there. There's not really a guy that you can really rely on to be the guy on a line. But if you put him with a guy, like if he winds up on a line with, say, Nick Suzuki at some point, Suzuki's going to bring the best out of him and he's going to be able to get him to be a productive player. So... You need to put them with high IQ players. You need to put them with guys that can kind of be the transporters and be the guy on that line doing a lot of the work. And then let him do some stuff in the offensive zone, make him some nice passes, find some uh, little soft spots, and then get some shots off. Because the talent's there. It's more of the, the mindset and the ability to kind of process the game at a higher speed that I worry about with him. I think one of the things that comes up a lot with players like that is that can you teach hockey sense? Like there seems to be this idea of can you teach hockey sense? And even we had we had our Q expert at Habs Eyes on the Prize on and even he admitted, you know, the Q is not a strong league when it comes to defensive play. But I do think that there's there's certain things that the Canadians can do to kind of help him develop. But I do feel like and and the point that Drake made was that if you know putting up that many points in a league in a year would that were that easy everyone would do it so yeah. I I find that that means that there's clear talent there and it's how the Canadians handle it and how he steps up so it's not like a lost cause or anything like that but I do definitely think that he was drafted a little bit later than he would go this year. I think for yeah. sure. Yeah, I don't think he would be in the in the first round. A lot of people are like, oh, he'd be in the first round. I don't think so. But I think for sure he'd be drafted a lot quicker than he did last year, than he was last year. Yeah, and I think when, when Ken Hughes was doing his initial press conference and he was talking about how he wants to invest heavily in development, the very first player I thought of was Joshua Waugh for the Habs because you give that guy a good development system. You put him in a system where – in Laval, give him a couple years down there. Let him kind of develop in the AHL. Get used to that the speed of that game. Then move up to the a a NHL and work with skills coaching. Work with guys that are able to kind of work on little details of his game. And you can, like I said, you can get a, pro a productive middle six player out of him. And you put him on a line with Suzuki. You put him on a line with just a smart center and another winger that can do a lot of different things. And let his offensive talents take over. Because like you said, the talent's clear. The talent's there. So it's just about getting him in a good situation, allowing him to succeed in that situation and, and not really worrying about the things he's not good at. It's some, sometimes a player is just what he is. And I think Joshua Wall is one of those guys. 
And obviously we will have, we're watching right now. He's already scored a goal in an elimination game against Charlottetown because Joshua Watt does Joshua Watt things with startling efficiency. And he is someone that I think the Canadians are going to give a look for a little bit and then go, Hey, all right, back to junior with you. Continue to work on other stuff. Now, you know, we know you can score goals. Can you do other things now? And that's what he, like you said, he has other areas to improve on. Going back to junior is not a punishment. It's a, hey, time to work on other things here. We know you can do this. Can you do the other stuff now? And we're going to kind of shift focus a little bit. We're going from last year's draft class to this year's draft class. We had another listener request. They want to know all about Connor Geeky, and that's going to be coming up in our next segment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto, and there's so many makes and models of cars. It's almost intimidating to walk into a chain store, try and figure out, do you have an LS, an LX, an EX, or whatever make and model of your car, and then try to find the parts for it and hope you have the parts available in that store for it. So you can save time and money using Rock Auto. So you can save 30, 50, even 100% on the same parts compared to a chain store or a car dealership. They are a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and they have reliably low prices for every customer. If you need brake pads, you need taillights, you need rugs, anything you could possibly need, Rock Auto has for you. So go explore their easy-to-use site today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. So when you go check out rockauto.com, find exactly what you were looking for for your car, make sure you write in there, how did you hear about a section, write in lockdown so they know that we sent you. Reliably low prices, amazing selection, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, we are back with Tony Ferrari, our good friend, draft expert, friend of the show, whatever you want to call him. We had another listener question. They wanted to know about a name that I knew before going into the season, and that was Connor Geeky. He was up there with the Brad Lamberts. He was up there with Shane Wright. Who was? They were the prospects that were at the top end of this draft class. And as things have kind of gone on, Shane Wright is still there. Obviously, Slavkovsky, and we will get to him later in the show, has risen up the board. Simon Nemitz has risen up the board. We've seen a Logan Cooley, a Frank Nazar rise up, rise up the board here. I haven't heard as much about Connor Geeky as I originally did. At some point last year, he was the one that people were like, he could be the challenger to Shane Wright because there's always one of them. Every year, there's always a threat to the consensus first overall. Who is Connor Geeky and, you know, what exactly is going on with him? Because he seems to have fallen out of the spotlight in terms of uh, this draft class so far. Well, I'll start with the good things. Uh, Connor Geeky is a six foot four center. He weighs over 200 pounds. He can play a little bit physically. I think he's got a really good defensive stick. He's got some really nice positioning in his own end. His two-way game, I think, doesn't get talked about as much as it should because he does have a pretty responsible 200-foot game. I think in the defensive zone, he makes excellent reads. He's really sneaky. Like he, he lifts sticks similar to a smaller player. Like You don't see big guys lifting sticks and breaking the puck back out the way he kind of Connor Geeky does. Now, with that said, when he starts skating away and, and he has that breakout and the puck's on his stick, I, I always go, you should, you should pass that puck to somebody who can skate. Because <laughs> Connor Geeky, for everything that's good about him, and, and there's a lot, and I'll get to some of the offensive stuff he does in a minute. But man, does this guy ever try to put his feet right through the ice every time he takes a step on it? And I, I think the potential for this kid, if his skating come a step or four, there's a lot there. 
but I worry so much about his skating because the name of the game in today's NHL is mobility. We look at so many different guys who have so many skills and they're, they're, they're falling off in skating towards the end of their careers. I think John Tavares in Toronto is a perfect one. I know every Habs fan is going to love ripping on him and it's going to be easy to do because you, you watch him this year and yeah, he got, he got his points and figured things out on the power play from time to time and stuff. But there was a lot of times where you were watching him skate with the puck and you're like, Oh, he's going to hit the boosters any second now. And you're like, Okay, he's 10 strides into this and he hasn't hit the boosters yet. What's going on here? You can do it, John. I believe in you. Not yeah, really, right? but you can do it, buddy. <laughs> I believe in you. Just, and, nope. and that's just it. You want to yell, run for us, run, like do something. <laughs> Come on here. Cause like the talent's there, the IQ's there, the smarts are there, but he just isn't isn't as fast as he used to be. And it's it's showing up big time right at this point for the Leafs. And I think Connor Geeky has that same problem. And he's younger. He's still got time to develop that, but it's a long way to go. And I think all year long, I watched him on video because he's out West. I'm in Ontario and you, you watch him and you're like, man, like if that skating come a little bit, like that's where you, you could really see this guy going in the top 15, top 10 even. And then I watched him live at the top prospects game. And albeit that is one game. I watched the practices too. And those are all-star practices, which are quite frankly a joke, but watching him just skate in general, it was, it was like, Oh wow. Like you almost heard him step on the ice like every stride was like a, a thud almost and it was like oh okay like he's he's trying to get the power he's doing that like he's slamming his feet down almost but there's not much coming out of that there's no pop it, it's very much a thud and I, I look at this guy and i'm like uh, offensively he's got some really silky mitts he's got some of the best like puck skill in the draft i've seen from a bigger guy in a long time excellent passer his shooting doesn't get the credit it deserves because he doesn't shoot all that much because he is such a good playmaker but he ended up with 24 goals this year. He had 48 assists. He had just over 70 points in 60-some-odd games. And you're like, okay, like there's a lot here. There's things that you can build on. But the one thing is the mobility. And if that mobility can't come a ways, and, and it's probably a pretty long ways, I'm concerned about that. But with a guy like Connor Geeky, and, and we talked about the Habs having that second round or that second first-round pick, if he's falling down boards and you can get him with that second pick in the, later in the first round, you go, okay, like with this added investment, as we talked about earlier in the development staff, can that be an asset? Can, can we get a guy that should have gone in the top 10 with a little bit of tweaking to his skating stride and a little bit of work with a power skating coach and stuff like that in the off season? Can we get this guy and make him the steal that we thought he could have been when he was a top 10 ready prospect? And now he's falling down boards. I'm looking kind of right now at the consensus rankings, 19, 14, 10, 31, 26, 29, <laughs> 13, five, like, it's literally all over the place. So I don't think he's going to go in the top 10 based on conversations I've had with both NHL scouts and just guys doing the kind of same thing I'm doing in the media, but there's always a chance one person to fall in love with him could take him at seven or something like that. But I think he's probably going to go in the twenties at this point. I think he's the guy that there's a major flaw in his game, but there's so much upside too, because of the good things he, he is able to do. I think, like I said, the puck skill, the passing ability is excellent. The shots underrated. His defensive game is underrated. There's a lot to like here. You, if you could take Brad Lambert skating and put it on this guy, he'd be first overall. Like that's how good this guy is <laughs> in every other in every other aspect. But that skating is such a hampering uh, factor for his game. But it, the potential's there. It's just a lot of work to get to it. So I'm curious because before when we started talking about this, actually, when our listener suggested, uh, can you please talk about Connor? Geeky, I, I looked at the rankings and it's like Scott said earlier, you, you thought there was a consensus and I literally thought I was going to see him in the top 10. Uh, and 
I did not. Like, right, there was, like, one person that had ranked him. And the thing that I find so interesting with, with the community such as yours, like, in the media and scouting and prospect eval- evaluations and stuff like that, is that you always share each other's work. You're always talking to each other and all of that. How can you have such widely different opinions on that? Like, I'm always curious as to how this kind of stuff works. Because I honestly, like, I go by whatever all of you say. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, I still don't know what to think about this guy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny because the prospect, I think a lot of the guys in the prospect game, myself will scouch another guy that i'm super close to josh tesler scott wheeler Corey pronman like you can name up and down the list guys at ep like cam robinson we all value slightly different things and we all kind of have these different things we talk we we kind of discuss guys we have group chats all over the place and i don't i don't even know how many of those i'm in with these guys and stuff and then there's some of us have nhl scout friends and stuff like that that we talk to as well and it's like we all respect it because at the end of the day, I think we all kind of realize like if you're hitting 25, 30% in, in this kind of game, you're doing a pretty good job. Like NHL team success rate is just under 30% on, on their overall draft picks. And at the end of the day, we're media. So we're able to go, okay, we put this guy in the top 10 and yeah, he got drafted in the top 10. He ended up being a good player, but like, it, it's so difficult to, to nail every single pick, every single player that, sometimes like a guy like Brad Lambert this year, he's a guy that I've stuck my neck out for all year. I know Will Scouch has done it. And then there's others that are like, I don't know. Like I, like I have a, a friend that works for an NHL team. That's like, you, you have him far too high. Like he's, if he goes that high, some team's going to be looking like an idiot. And I looked at him and I'm like, if he goes that high, you're going to be looking like an idiot because it's just these little things that we value differently, slightly differently, it, whether it's skating IQ. Uh, and a lot of times it's just, Hey, I'm, I'm focusing so much more on the Europeans or I'm focusing so much more on the North Americans or vice versa. Or I, I look at one league, I'm in Ontario, so I see more live Ontario games. And unfortunately, this year is not a great year for the Ontario class. But it, it's like everyone's in a different spot. Everyone's in a different area. We all focus on different traits that we value. I know for me, if, the fun factor is a really big thing. I look at a guy like Kale McCarr and I go, yeah, he was incredibly fun in junior. And that's a valuable trait. And I think that's something that we, we people don't take into account because – the game is fun at the end of the day. And if you have the creativity to try something that no one else will, you might get pull that off. And when you're able to pull that off consistently, that's where you kind of develop those that creative skill. That's where you develop these puck skills that make a difference at the NHL level. It's, it's not always about making the exact right play. Sometimes it's about making the best play. And the best play sometimes comes with a lot of risk. It, it, it's funny is that, and we're going to wrap this up here in a second. I look at his size and I look at his stats, and I look at his skating, and my first thought is I have this giant blinking red flag in the back of my head that goes, hey, do you remember when the Habs drafted Michael McCarron? And the only thing saving me from making that comparison is that Michael McCarron took a buttload of penalties in junior and through his career, but he had that size in that he had promise, but he could not skate to save his life with his frame. And luckily, the Canadians now under Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon have invested in skills coaches. And like you said, if he falls into what I believe is the earliest the Canadians can pick is 25th with their second uh, first round pick, I'm sprinting up the podium if a guy like that is there. Is that yes, he is flawed, but it's late in the first round and you have someone who earlier in the year was a consensus, you know, maybe consensus the wrong word, but a top 10 potential pick that fell down the boards because of whatever reason. Yes, his skating is not great, but you can fix skating. You can't always fix hockey smarts and the know-how and everything. And if Geeky has those talents and you're the Montreal Canadiens, you go, okay, I'm going to bet on this right now because I've got 13 picks in this draft 
And if one of them was Shane Wright and the next one is Connor Geeky, even if Shane Wright isn't what, you know, you hope he is, you have another crack at that right behind that in the first round there. So uh, we're going to, again, kind of shift things here. I know we talked about Shane Wright in our first episode with Tony, which we highly recommend you all go check out. We're going to shift to the other name that is bouncing around the first overall conversation, whether it should be or not. We're also going to talk about another center inside the top three, I guess, at this point, depending on who you are in Logan Cooley. And that's all coming up in one moment. So we are back with Tony Ferrari, our fantastic draft expert here. We are doing as many draft-related things as we can here at Locked On Canadians because you know what? We know you love draft stuff. I love learning things because it helps me write draft profiles. It helps me analyze players in a different light. So the Canadians fan base has basically eaten itself alive since they earned, they uh, won the first overall pick a couple of weeks ago where everyone went, they're going to pick Shane Wright. And then a bunch of sources came out and went, nope, I think Slavkovsky should be the first overall pick. And my first thought to that was, we're really going to do this again. Every single year, there was a consensus first overall pick. And then in the two months leading up to the draft, there's like, but what if we go with this guy instead? And it's always this panic that doesn't really need to be there. We, uh, we talked to Scouching uh, last week about Slavkovsky and his talent and where he fits in. I'm curious to your viewpoint and if you're as, you know, set in the pace here that Shane Wright to be the first overall pick, but Slavkovsky is not a bad player, just not the one the Canadians need right now. Yeah, I think I look at it and I, I go back to all the draft years that we've seen recently and we're like, Remember when Patrick Laine almost went first overall? Remember when people were like, maybe Eichel's the guy? Maybe. Like, look at how stupid those picks would have looked by now. And I think this year, while I don't think Shane Wright's either Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews, I do think Shane Wright's the kind of the clear-cut guy this year because even though he may have cracked the door open a little bit this year by being a little bit underwhelming from what some people expected, I don't think anyone was good enough to really go – yeah, so I'm going to take that spot. I'm going to take the throne first overall. And I think that includes Slavkovsky, who admittedly has had some big moments. So I'm looking at his EP page right now, and just to see every team he decided to play on, which it seems like there was eight different Slovakias, TPS and at both the Liga and the U20 level. And he played all over, and he had success all over. At the Olympics, he scored seven goals, led the tournament, and won MVP. At the World Championships, he's done a pretty good job, scoring nine points in eight games with three goals and six assists. Uh, he's been great in the in the Liga, putting up 10 points in 31 games, which is a pace that I wasn't honestly expecting him to put up in, in, in the Finnish Men's League. So he's done so much so well this year. And I still go, yeah, but he's not there. And I think I think Slavkovsky's a really good player. I think he's a guy that if you draft him second, third, fourth overall, you're getting a pretty good player there. I think any of those teams in the, those slots would be happy to get him. Um, and we'll see who, what, who ta- does take him. But I see the, the the people saying, well, Shane Wright's not Patrice Bergeron. And I've been on that all year. I'm like, she's not Patrice Bergeron because Patrice Bergeron's essentially the Sidney Crosby of defensive forwards. He's a generational talent that we haven't seen play a two-way game the way he has. And I think he, you take away his offensive numbers and he makes the Hall of Fame alone because of how good he is defensively. And he's got the offensive numbers too. So I look at Shane Wright and I go, yeah, he's not Patrice Bergeron, but like, is anyone going to complain if he ends up being Ryan O'Reilly? Like, is anyone going to complain if he ends up being peak Jonathan Taze? Like, that's still a good player. Like, you're not upset with that pick. 
So I think Shane Wright definitely deserves to be the first overall pick, but Slavkovsky's had a really good year. He's shown he can play against men at multiple different levels, both the uh, Finnish level and international play. He's shown that he can dominate junior hockey. This guy this is a guy that is going to do a lot of really good things. He's got size. He's got skill. He works off the boards extremely well. I think his game is translatable as all hell. Like you, you look at the guy and he's six foot four, 220 pounds almost. Uh, like I said, he works off the boards at a level. I don't think anyone else in this draft does gets to the middle of the ice at a, at a high rate and in, He's got a really decent shot. Like he's got a shot better than I think most people are giving him credit for until the the Olympic Games where he scored seven goals and had no assists. I still look at him as a playmaker primarily, but he showed that ability like, hey, when I don't have help, I can be the guy to score. So I still really like Yuri Slavkovsky. I have him number three on my board, and the guy we're probably going to talk about next is number two. So I think, man, like this is a guy that if you're drafting him second, if you're drafting him third, you're probably pretty happy. If, If he falls out of that top three, like, I don't know who went ahead of him, but like you're probably getting a really good player at four, five, six. And like you said, uh, there's someone that like I fell in love watching the U18s because I get NHL Network on the uh, TVs at work, which I got to put on. I got to watch a lot of the under 18s while doing my day job. And one of the names I kept hearing besides Rucker McGordy was Logan Cooley. And Logan Cooley is a player that I I love what they bring. Not more than Shane Wright, but I look at the way they see the game and it's very smart. I don't think he's a threat to first overall, but I do think at two or three, I would not be shocked to hear, hear his name called. I We know Shane Wright is, is good, but it almost feels dismissive the amount, the lack of hype I've heard around Logan Cooley at this point, that if the Canadians didn't win the first overall pick, which obviously there was that panic because... That's what this fan base does with everything going for this pick here. I, I, I told people, I'm like, if you don't get Shane Wright, you have Logan Cooley is right there, and that's a very talented player. And I don't think it's unfair to say his offensive upside, I feel like, is a little bit higher than Shane Wright's, but he's just such a talented player in all three zones. And someone that is going to make a team in the top five there very, very happy very quickly, I feel like. Yeah, for me, Logan Cooley has been the only guy all year that I've even debated with Shane Wright at, at the top spot. I think I, I'm more than willing to put, even put them in the same tier. I still, like I said, I still have Shane Wright ahead, but I think Logan Cooley is a guy that does a lot of the th- same things Shane Wright does. I don't think there's the refinement that Shane Wright has, the maturity necessarily in this game quite yet, but I do think there's a, a little bit more upside in the offensive sense. I think he's got a little bit more willingness to try some creative things. I think Shane Wright has that ability, but I don't see Shane Wright going behind the net and trying a Michigan move where I think Logan Cooley is more than willing to do that. And I think that's, I don't know if that's necessarily the bravado that kind of comes with playing with the NTDP. I think that program does a really good job of getting the guys, especially the top end guys on that team to be hyped, to be guys that play an entertaining brand of hockey while also playing the right way. So I think Logan Cooley is a guy that I look at and I'm like, man, if you get him at second or third overall, like this is still going to be a guy that has a chance to be a low end number one center, a pretty solid number two center at worst. And I almost, the way I kind of determined that I can't put him ahead of Shane Wright is when I look at Montreal, I go, okay, if you're drafting Shane Wright, he slots in slightly ahead of Nick Suzuki. If you're drafting Logan Cooley, I think he probably slots in right behind Nick Suzuki at number two. But regardless, I think you end up with two pretty solid centers down the middle with any of those two, any of those three players that you end up having. And I think, like Logan Cooley is going to bring some fun to the game. He brings, like I said, that bravado, the the flair to the game a little bit more than Shane Wright does. Shane Wright's going to make the right play. He's going to be the guy that will probably be captain material. He's a guy that will do the right thing, look, do the the smart play every time. 
Logan Cooley is going to try some stuff. He'll go for that Michigan goal. He'll try a Trevor Zegers type pass over the net. He'll do some goofy stuff. I've watched him bank a pass high off the glass to a guy into space to, for them to skate onto. Like he does some really fun stuff on the ice. And obviously some of that's going to need to be taken out before he gets to the NHL and some of the stuff he could get clobbered for, but I think that's all junior players. And I think the way Logan Cooley sees the game, both in an offensive and defensive sense, he turns the play around so quickly that he's on the getting defensemen on their heels so fast. And then he's making a, a play where he sees a streaking Frank Nazar. He sees a Rucker McGordy coming up the ice. He, he does so many things well that you look at him and you go, yeah, he's the guy that drives his line and makes a difference on every single play. And even when he's not the one scoring goals, he's contributing. He's making the play defensively to get the puck up ice, or he's the one making the assist. So, I think Logan Cooley is a fantastic player. And like I said, he's probably the only guy I've realistically ever once thought about going, maybe he's ahead of Shane Wright. But at the end of the day, I do think Shane Wright's the guy. Laura, do you have any parting thoughts or questions for Tony? I do, because we kind of talked about it the previous time you were on uh, a little bit. And this is something that is the second tier to the debate about, you know, Shane Wright or not, is that uh, some people are like, do you think the Canadians will send him back? Or do you think the Canadians will bring him up and have him play maybe for the first year, have him play behind Nick Suzuki, be that second line center and kind of try to get him acclimated to the game? So I wonder what your thoughts are, like from a development perspective, because for me, I think the Canadians have nothing to lose. They're already going to be losing games. Why not bring him up and have him make those mistakes against the men and get him ready for, you know, two years down the line? Yeah, I think ideally I would look at him and I go, man, he he lost that year of development last year. He didn't play in the OHL at all. He played eight, 12 games at the uh, World Under 18s with Team Canada, but that was the only hockey he really played last year. And I look at so many people expecting him to put up 160, 170 points this year because in his D minus two season, his exceptional status year, he was putting up numbers that were better than Connor McDavid's on pace to break Don Tavares's record as a 15 year old scorer in the OHL. And you're like, okay, like the offensive talent is there. And like, we've seen so much refinement already. And then this year he took a step obviously, but I don't think it was the step that we all kind of thought. And I I've kind of argued this all year with Shane, Wright, And it's been a big reason he stayed at number one on my board all year. And there was really uh, outside of Logan Cooley, no debate was, I think that one year just put him a year behind. I don't think that took a year of development out of his life. I think it just pushed him back a year. So I think with the Canadians, if you put him in the NHL, I think he's going to be a perfectly fine middle six center next year. I think he's smart enough to do it. He, like I said, he's not a guy that necessarily makes the risky play. So he's going to be able to play at the NHL level. And like you said, make those mistakes at that competition and be able to kind of improve as the year goes on. I think you would see that. But as we've seen with other first overall picks recently, whether it be Jack Hughes, who started to come into his own this year, really, Alexi Lafreniere, different guys over the last few years, people really like to harp on the number one overall pick. And Montreal is Montreal. And we all know how wonderful their fan base can be when a guy's struggling. So do you want to put him in that environment as well? And I think that's the one concern. If I was the GM, I'd probably look at him and go, go kick the shit out of the OHL next year. Put up 200 points if you can. Try to do it because your defensive game breeds your offensive game he's a guy like i think that's a big thing with austin matthews that we saw this year is the reason his offense was coming so much was because he was so good defensively that he was creating things from his own end for himself and i think shane Wright's a guy that very much does the same thing in that sense so go back to the ohl put up 200 points try to chase down some crazy record or something win an ohl championship basically on your own because kingston's not that great of a team if i'm being honest outside of him <laughs> and do something special and if not then come back to the, come to the NHL and do something. I think with him, I look at him and I go, you have training camp 
And if you don't absolutely blow us out of the water, you're going back to the OHL. If you do, then you're going to spend the year in the NHL. I don't think there's any kind of let's keep him up for 12, 14 games, 15 games. He maybe gets that nine game stint, but I, I don't know. I think he's a guy that's either in the NHL or in the OHL next year. And that unfortunately is going to have to bring an end to this. We will pro- very likely have Tony on in the relative near future or after the draft or whenever, because it's not going to slow down <laughs> whatsoever with the Montreal Canadians, the amount of picks they have, the amount of hype around that. Uh, as always, Tony, thank you very much for your time. Do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter and your work, et cetera, uh, wherever that may be? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari. I just put out a Bowen Byron piece today talking about how how much he's kind of come back from the concussions and the COVID and vertigo and all these little things that kind of derailed his career in the first two years of it, what would have been his NHL career. And this year in the playoffs, he's been Colorado's second best defenseman, really kind of filling in where Sam Girard kind of fell out because of the injury. So he's had a great year. You can read that. And I also put out a recent game tape with Tony episode where I interview a prospect. We go over some video together and then we talk about movies, music, and get kind of the personal side of their, their game too. So that's always fun. All that's at the hockey news. Uh, as always, you can follow us at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, locked on Canadians at YouTube. Help us hit 1000 subscribers before the draft, because then Laura and I have to eat something disgusting because that's apparently what we've settled on as our brand on YouTube. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick and myself at Scott Matla. As always, thank you for making us your first listen or your first watch of the day. Please keep an eye out for our next episode. We're going to talk about Hillary Knight and so many other things. And when you're done listening to us, please check out Lockdown NHL, where our local experts have all the information you need about the Stanley Cup playoffs, other draft stuff, and everything else going on right now. As always, we will see you next time.